And the Lord be with you. This is the day the Lord has made, and we are rejoicing and glad in it. As warm as it is, it's wonderful to be alive. Shake hands with your neighbor and say good morning, if you would, please. But we welcome you today. If you're visiting with us, I just met a couple here from uh, New York City, from Riverside Church, and there may be other visitors here today as well. So we welcome you, ask you to share your names with us and one another on the friendship pad as it passes your way. I want to call your attention to some of the announcements that are printed in the bulletin. And I picked up the other uh, piece that's not the bulletin, but uh, let me see if I can remember some of these while Jeff gives these to me. Uh, After worship each Sunday, all of us are invited to the coffee fellowship time out in the patio. There are kiosks there, one related to our health ministries. Thank you. Uh, Another uh, related to Easter. Uh, You know how much we enjoy the beautiful Easter flowers, the Easter lilies. If you'd like to give one of those uh, Easter uh, flowers uh, to the church for Easter Sunday, we'll we'll be worshiping here at 8, 9, 30, and 11 on Easter Sunday. And during Holy Week, uh, the the sanctuary will be open each day at noon for, for prayer, meditation, and then on Thursday evening, Monday, Thursday, communion here in the sanctuary. And then on Friday evening, Good Friday service at 7 o'clock here in the sanctuary, rather than at noon, Friday evening. So we're moving toward a big season of the year, uh, sort of the fullness of the telling of the gospel story of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the salvation of the whole world. And so join in with us and encourage your friends to be here. Next Friday evening, our Clippers Club will be meeting, and Gary Waller, who's assisting me in worship this morning, Presbyterian pastor who spent many years in ministry in the South, a native of Alabama, is going to be speaking to us about ministry in the South, and there's going to be a great Southern home-cooked meal for us here. And if you're interested in that, sign up out in the patio. Grief support group is coming soon. And then again, next Sunday morning, Parish Sunday, you have a chance to meet your deacon. All the deacons will have tables set up in the uh, fellowship hall. And it's an opportunity not only to meet your deacons, let them get to know you, but also to meet some of your fellow parish members. So I hope you'll be here uh, between the services to help build the fellowship of the church. If you want to participate in the Presbyterian panel, you may do so. There'll be, um, there's information on the back of the uh, e-connections here for you. So let's center our hearts now in the worship of God. Let us pray together. Oh God, searcher of hearts, we come into your holy presence this morning because you invite us to come, to come boldly to the throne of grace that we may receive help for our time of need. We ask that you will lift the deep sighs of our hearts into your very presence, that the Holy Spirit will make intercession for us and for all of your people, indeed for the whole world this morning, where we have no words. Pray for us as we lift up our prayers to you in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. 
Please join me in our call to worship this morning. O Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. And praise, praise the Lord. Lord. So, church, let us do just Yes. 
With assurance by faith in God, we approach his throne of grace, seeking his love, his mercy, and his forgiveness. Please join me for our invitation to confession. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning, and settle at the farthest limits of the sea. Even there, your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light around me become night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. Brothers and sisters, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us now take a minute for personal silent confession. Amen. Hear the good news. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Let us pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text this morning is Romans 8, beginning verse 18 through verse 27. The Apostle Paul is writing, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Most of the time when we, when we think about our heroes, we frame them as men and women of strength, of power. It is no easy thing to take some of the personalities from history or even our friends and people that we know in our own time and, and deconstruct them in a way that we realize that they are but human beings, that they are people like each one of us with strengths to be sure, but also with weaknesses. And it is weaknesses that Paul wants to speak about in this text this morning. Weakness when it comes to prayer. But weakness when it comes to life. If you for just a moment consider the personalities of the Bible, we are reminded that there are no plastic saints in the biblical story. Rather, they're just flesh and blood human beings who struggle with the very same things that we do in our lives. Our father Abraham 
sold his wife as his sister and had to be lectured by Pharaoh of Egypt. Our father Jacob was a liar and a cheat, yet he carried the promises of God and the blessing of God in his own life. Our father Moses was a murderer and a refugee from justice in Egypt, and yet God used him to lead his people out of Egyptian slavery. Our father, King Saul, was riddled by jealousy and envy and had great difficulty in being obedient to the will of God, and he suffered as a result of that. He was a man of great strength, of physical stature, and leadership capabilities. Our father, King David, who had a heart for God, was also an adulterer. And in his old age, a vengeful man. <laughs> we come to the New Testament after a long line of kings in ancient Israel, of Judah and Israel, all who had feet of clay. We come to the 12 disciples that Jesus chose. And one of the very disconcerting things about that story is that all 12 of those disciples betrayed Jesus before it was over and ran away and were unable to stand with him. And the early church was filled with flesh and blood human beings, sisters and brothers just like us, struggling to be the people of God, conflicted, always arguing with one another, continuing to murmur, having great difficulties with their faith and their doubts and, and all of that. The Apostle Paul wants us to know that what is characteristic of the human condition, even in the family of God, are all kinds of weaknesses. Weaknesses that perhaps we never counted upon. When I was just graduating from college, I went to seminary, and I went with great expectations of meeting some of the great authority figures, heroes of the faith who were interpreters of the Bible, men of strength. It didn't take me long to discover that most of the faculty had been on the couch for some period of time. Some hospitalized, shock therapy treatments, continuing therapies. And before our class had graduated, I think most of us were on the couch trying to figure out who we are, what it means to be human what it means to be a believer. I've been reading Grant Wacker's study on Billy Graham. America's pastor, Billy Graham, and the shaping of a nation, one of the most respected persons over the last 50 years in American history, 
who did not know he was being recorded in the president's office and made some terrible anti-Semitic comments that he publicly apologized for. It's one of the things I have loved about that leader so much, his humility and honesty and probably... What he expressed is what runs deeply in the DNA of every one of us. Prejudice, racism. It's not just the fraternity at OU that can do racist chants, is it? It's those kinds of things that can burst forth from our mouth in song and word that reveal the condition of our soul. One of my heroes at the present time is N.T. Wright, the great biblical scholar who spins off a new book every week. I'm in envy of him. I don't know how he does this. He's given such insight into the Bible to the whole church. But recently he really touched my soul In his book on the Psalms, A Case for the Psalms, the prayer book of Jesus, the prayer book of Israel. He said he'd known all the Psalms, but when he was in his mid-30s, in the busyness of his life, of writing and of teaching, and that suddenly what bubbled up in him was a very deep depression that threatened to destroy his life. And he said the counselor that he saw used Psalm 139 that we used in our liturgy this morning to give him a foundation for understanding more about who God really is as a God who's known us from the moment of our conception, who has our years and our days numbered, who knows all about our strengths and our weaknesses, the God who is the searcher of our hearts. We we name God many different names, but searcher of hearts is one of the great names for God in the Old Testament, the searcher of hearts who knows us better than we know ourselves. So that when we come into the presence of God, we're coming not as strangers. We're coming into the presence of the one who created us, who journeys with us, who knows us more than we know ourselves and is here to help us in the midst of the weaknesses and the ambiguities and the lack of understanding and our struggle with doubt. That's the God of the Bible. I admire my hero's weaknesses. When I was associate pastor, I got to know Robert Munger very well. He'd been pastor of the Berkeley First Presbyterian Church and later at the University Presbyterian Church in Seattle. And we were working together on an evangelism project through Fuller Seminary and the La Cunada Church and 200 or so pastors and leaders from around the country came to our church for a seminar. And Bob Munger and I traveled to a, to a Congress on Evangelism together down in Dallas. 
And I learned as we were on the same plane together coming back and uh, he was probably in his 80s by that point. A man of God, a man of prayer. He said, Jerry, would you make sure you ride in the seat next to me on the airplane? Because I've had diabetes from the time I was a little guy. And you have to promise me that you will not let me fall asleep or drift into a coma because I need to take my medicine. I thought to myself, who am I? This pipsqueak associate pastor riding with this man of God who preached that great sermon, My Heart, Christ, Home the Christ who enters into every dimension of our lives, every room of our lives from the entryway of our houses, into the kitchen and the family room, but wants to also go into the closet of our lives. He was a man of God, a real person, in touch with himself. C.S. Lewis found love late in life. He married Joy Davidman. And she soon passed away. And during those months and years of grief, he wrote a journal about his grief in which he struggled day by day of seeking to interpret his misunderstandings, his questionings about God, to interpret his pain, his, his weaknesses. It was not published until after his death in 1963, and it was one of the first books of C.S. Lewis that I read after I graduated from seminary, and I read it at a very important time in my life, and he ministered to me out of his weakness and struggle in my time of weakness and need. I love that. And so Paul in this text in Romans 8 talks about the weakness that we experience in not knowing how to pray. Imagine that. We are such a people of words, are we not? We Presbyterians in our Reformed tradition, we have words coming out of our mouth on both sides and in and out of every ear. And we seek to interpret every story in our life and in human history. We long for the right words. And I'm just like that. Paul says, there are times in our lives that we simply do not have words to use to articulate the deep size of our lives. The groaning that goes on in the created order as well as in our own hearts. But God knows all about that. I get in touch with my groanings and yearnings in the most Unlikely times, Friday at our Rotary Club, the program was presented by a man who made a video, a movie, about 35-minute video of World War I. 
of how it happened. I mean, actual pictures of how, why it happened. A description of some of the battles in France and in Germany. The thousands of horses that were ground up in the process. The millions of human beings who were killed over a few feet of ground with a war ending and humiliation for Germany and in some ways for the West with millions of people killed. I have no words for that. All I could remember was the great theologians of the late 19th century who had such an optimistic view of human history that the golden age was about ready to arrive through human work and effort. The kingdom of God was at hand. Paul Tillich, the great existentialist theologian, wrote, he says, my whole theological worldview crumbled in one night as a chaplain in the German army in World War I when I saw man's inhumanity to man. And that launched the rewriting of theology that reconsidered human sin and the brokenness of the family of man of man's inhumanity to man that lingers on and threatens us still. I have yet to go to the Vietnam War Memorial in Washington, D.C., or hardly to see a picture of it that I don't stand in front of it and weep tears. I have no words for 55,000 names on that wall. And how many millions have been devoured and eaten up by the violence of the human condition? And I recall that text in Genesis that said, God, when he saw the violence of the human family, that it grieved him that it ever made man. God groans. His spirit groans. And we simply do not have words to express what we deeply feel and think. I read this text. I'm aware of why so many Sundays before I come in here to preach, after full preparation, I stand before the presence of God feeling empty without words, knowing that I'm totally dependent upon the Holy Spirit to take whatever simple human words I have to proclaim and to interpret the will of God. And this with the awareness that it is God who searches our hearts, who knows our motives, our purposes, what stands behind every word we speak, every word that is so powerful either to build up or to destroy either to make the church or to destroy the church. This, I believe, is a part of what it means to be the people of God who wrestle with their weaknesses, who seek to verbalize with words the meaning of life and to interpret it. We cannot live without words, and yet, our experience moves us beyond words. 
simply into deep sighs. And the good news is that while we wait for the fulfillment of life, the Spirit intercedes for us. What powerful imagery. Later in the 8th chapter, Paul will say it is Christ who sits at the right hand of the Father who intercedes on our behalf, which means he's our advocate. He's with us and he's for us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. But in this sentence, he speaks of the Holy Spirit as the searcher of our hearts who makes intercession for us in those dimensions of our lives that we do not understand, that grieve our soul. If you've ever been a place in your spiritual journey for which you have no words, then be comforted. Because the paraclete, as the Gospel of John says, is the helper, the comforter, the advocate, the one who comes along beside us and lifts up our deep cries to the throne of God where God listens and understands. You ever wondered how it is that God could hear all of our prayers and requests at the same time? You remember that movie Jim Carrey was in, Bruce Almighty, in which he had some, it was a comedy, but it had a lot of truth in it. Bruce wanted life to go well on his own terms. And he cried out to the heavens and everyone else who would listen to him. Finally, he met God, who was played by Morgan Freeman. And God allowed him to be God for a week, just to experience what it's like being God. And what Bruce discovered is it's no easy thing being God. Years ago, J.B. Phillips said in his book, Your God is Too Small, that some of us have an understanding and an image of God is that he's this divine telephone operator in the heavens at the switchboard. And he's plugging in and unplugging and connecting and responding and is working day and night and he's got to be exhausted. And Bruce found himself in front of the computer screen reading the emails, listening to the voices of all the requests, of all the demands. Give me this. Give me that. This will satisfy my life. You ought to be right there when I call upon you. He was exhausted. And I thought to myself, if God had given me everything for which I had asked, my life would have been a wreck. How about yours? Because we do not know how to pray. And that is why Jesus' disciples came to him and asked him, teach us to pray as John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray. And he gave his disciples the simple prayer, the Lord's Prayer, that in many ways is a summation of the whole Psalter in a few phrases, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, 
thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Your heavenly Father is good, Jesus says. He knows what you need even before you ask. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be yours as well. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give to you the Holy Spirit if you ask, seek, and knock? What we all need, what the church needs, is a fresh breath of the Spirit of God, the searcher of human hearts, to open our souls to God, to open ourselves to ourselves, to calm our anxious, fearful lives with his own divine presence. It is for that this morning that we pray. Give us the power of discernment to know and to do your will. Join me in prayer. O living God, searcher of our hearts, you created us in your image. You fashioned every dimension of our lives. You allotted our days and nights. You've guided us in your providence. You've promised to lead us into the fullness of your life and will. Such knowledge is too wonderful for us. In this moment, we are aware that through the presence and power of your Holy Spirit, that you are searching our hearts. You know us better than we know ourselves. Lord, you see our weaknesses. You see that which is broken. You see what we are working to become. You see what we are hiding you hear our fumbling for words to express our deepest desires. We confess that we do not know how to pray. Teach us to pray. Holy Spirit, graciously interpret our weaknesses to the Father. Verbalize our needs to the Father through the mouth of Jesus, the Son of God. Give to us insight into ourselves so that we may be honest before you and gracious in our communications with others. Forgive our failings. Repair the brokenness of our lives. Discipline our tongues. Mend our soul's wounds. Restore our dreams. Transform our fantasies. Empower our behaviors according to your will. Grant to us the words we need to express ourselves to you and to others. Words are your gifts. 
to speak makes us human. Our ears allow us to hear other words, but none more important than your word. Allow our words to express what we feel and how we think about the small and the insignificant events of daily life to the big and life-changing moments of potential transformation. This morning, give to us a sigh, a word, a laughter, a tear that you want us to pray, a word for another, a word for a friend, a word for a family member, a word that will build up and not tear down, a word of affirmation and encouragement, a word that comes from the mouth of God to us. Give to us the space and the silence within our busy lives to deepen in our love for you and all your creation. This Sunday, speak to the women of our church as they worship at their retreat. May they feel our welcome as they return to our homes to share, to reflect to us what they have learned, how they have been inspired, what has troubled them, how grace has touched them and healed them. Be with our church at the center of this city. May the light of truth, mercy, and justice always shine forth for your glory. Bring peace to our troubled nation and world. Bring justice and social righteousness. Renew our trust and the bonds that would bind us to the promise that so many have cherished and for which they have given their lives. This we pray in your name, searcher of our hearts. Heal our lives. Renew our minds. Direct our works. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. We present our morning offering. Tell
Almighty and ever-living God, we thank you that you've blessed us with every spiritual blessing. We rejoice this morning in the gift of life, which we have received by your mercy and grace and the new life you give us in Jesus Christ. Accept now these tithes and offerings, and we pray that you would use them to further your kingdom. Grant that they may enlighten a corner of darkness and bring the truth and light of your love and deliverance to those seeking freedom, that they may hear the good news of Jesus Christ, the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Jesus promised, I will not leave you orphaned, but I will come to you, and I will give to you my spirit. And that spirit will be a living well of water welling up into your life, a source of comfort, of joy, of peace, guidance in the perplexing circumstances of life and our own personal stories. My spirit will be your advocate and interpret the deep groans and sighs and longings of your life until in the fullness of time we are all with the Lord and see clearly and hear clearly and know ourselves surrounded and sustained by the love of God. In life and in death, we belong to God through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. Amen.